said only 17% of borrowers have access to it. What's called the berry button, the red button that I hit. Hey, remember that? Right? In the, you know, oh yeah, I love it. everybody welcome back to another edition of laugh lend and eat the podcast and uh we are diving deep into our what do we call this matter so we're diving deep into something right mortgages and mindfulness mortgages and mindfulness I, that's a okay thank you appreciate that right? I, knew, I knew there was a reason i had you as a co-host <laughs> <laughs> so we are diving deep into mortgages and mindfulness today and uh, we have an some really good guests that are actually from the West Coast. So, or I guess, yeah, Kim is, we can consider Colorado from the West Coast. So Kim Clancy, owner of Mindful Mortgage, is here from Boulder, Colorado. And then we have Loretta Turner from San Diego. And you're a, Loretta, if I'm not mistaken, you're a mindful coach. Is that accurate? And, and you do that into the workspace. I do. I do. The way I market myself is I'm an employee wellness strategist. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness-based coaching is a huge part of that in the right. workspace. I want to dive into something real quick that I found so interesting about your bio. Mm-hmm. That at the age of 19, you were teaching mindfulness inside a prison. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't think of a better way to start off my show <laughs> <laughs> on mortgages and mindfulness than talking about somebody's <laughs> <laughs> work in a prison. Wait a second in prison. <laughs> I mean, what was that like at 19? You had to be petrified. Oh, man. A lot of th- there was it was a lot of things. There were a lot of emotions. Um, I had gotten my yoga teaching uh, certificate from my undergrad, which is where I met Maddie. And um, it just just the way it, it happened was I, I got the training, and then there was a local nonprofit. I'm actually New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey mm. originally, so I went to Ramapo College, and there was a local nonprofit there, Kula for Karma, super small grassroots, and. I mean, this was at least 12, 13 years ago, maybe a little bit less. Um, they were they were really innovative in bringing yoga into places where you, nowadays it's a little bit more mainstream to see adaptive yoga in different places, but sure. a decade ago, you were only seeing yoga inside gyms and studios. So they were really innovative in, you know, noticing what yoga could really do for the, for the mind and the body and the spirit and then getting it to places where people typically couldn't access yoga because of a lack of transportation or a lack of funds or just feeling mm-hmm. like they didn't belong in those spaces. So they got some really, really, really meaningful contracts with uh, hospitals and healthcare and prisons and rehabilitation centers and homeless shelters and just worked with a lot of local yoga teachers, myself included, and mm-hmm. just matched us up with programs that really resonated with us. And yeah, so prisons for some reason resonated with me. And again, it was a lot of emotions. I mean, just just driving there and then having to park and having to take the long walk mm-hmm. to the front door and then having, you know, it's actually really funny. So, I mean, when you go <clears throat> and practice yoga, you want to be comfortable. You know, you want to be able to move and stretch your body. But every time they yelled at me that my clothes were too tight because ah. I actually I had oh, to walk. Oh wow, like, that's a problem. The yoga yeah, pants in prison. I had to walk through the men's unit before I oh, would get wow. to the women's unit, and they were like, "Stop with the yoga mm, pants. Mm, you can't mm. keep doing that." I'd always get searched, and then I take this long, slow walk. Can't make eye contact with everyone. 
look at the ground. Um, but then and there's like a bunch of doors. Like I, I was, I used to play music, right? So in a jazz band, and we did one event at a, at a, at a local prison. Uh huh. And I just remember, like, there was like about five or six doors to each hallway, right? Yeah. And you had to go through each door to kind of get to wherever you were getting. And then when you were like leaving, you were just praying that the door would open to get you out. <laughs> you would be like, in these little vestibules and like you'd have to wait for the door to close. Right. You'd have to wait for them to press the button to go out the next door. <laughs> oh yeah, it was so intense. But every time I got to the unit that I was working on, um, it was women who were in substance abuse recovery inside the prison. I mean, everyone, myself include, included, would just soften because yes, I was like tense and being in that space, but the minute like we rolled our mats out and we got connected, remember that we're all human, right? And we're all, regardless of where we are in our lives, we're each taking the next step forward to better ourselves and improve ourselves. So it was always such a blessing and always such a gift. Um, Good stuff. So I want to go to Kim real quick, because Kim, you, you have a pretty interesting name of a mortgage company now. Listen, I mean, I've been doing mortgages too long, right? 28, yeah. 28 years. Right. And so it's a very interesting name. When I first saw your name, you know, Kim Clancy, owner of Mindful Mortgage, caught my attention. Right. Because obviously being practicing meditation, practicing yoga and all that kind of stuff for years, obviously you're trying to resonate. I'm, I'm hoping you're trying to resonate with some people and create a tribe within that name of a mortgage company. Was I mean, walk us through like how'd you go with the name for Mindful Mortgage? Great question, because it, there wasn't one exact thing, but it was more like that I have always felt a little bit like an outsider in the mortgage business. I've been in since 2000 and you feel like an outsider that like I am exceptionally competitive so that I am, you know, like everybody else. But I've always had I have an undergraduate in special ed and a master's degree in clinical social work. And then I went into mortgages and I've always <laughs> felt like that, that, right. But I mean, you use it, right? Yeah. Less, you use everything. You yeah. really do. And so, but I've always felt a little bit like that, you know, we didn't always look at the fact that like, this is somebody's we're seeing people a lot of times at their worst in doing a mortgage, right. Buying a home mm. or, or a divorce or whatever, you know, so much credit card debt. And that we sometimes forget that. And so for me, I've always been mindful of that. And I think that that's kind of where um, it's allowed me to have a different kind of business than most people. And so being mindful of, you know, like my slogan is we've got your back because that's what I feel that it's, you know, that it's really that please keep in mind that this is a stressful time for pe people when you're doing their mortgage loan and just, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. Do you think that, I mean, having a name like that, I mean, people are expecting you to be more compassionate when they come with, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, it's a catch 22. I, I think hmm. it's half of one, six dozen than the other. I think that, yeah, probably they expect you to. Okay. So like, the people that are into this are drawn to it. The people that are not probably think I'm snowflakey, right? <laughs> so it's 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 a catch twenty two. Um, you know, I don't know that it's brought more business, but I don't know that it's taken away business either. I mean, I think the nice thing is that you're telling your brand from day yeah. one, 
know what I mean? Like, this is who I am. Like, this is this matters. You know what I mean? Being mindful of, of, of what's going on around me. And listen, I mean, the, the this is an interesting question. I'll throw this out to all three of you guys. Mindfulness, and I say this a lot, and because I, I get, I, I'm around a lot of conversations, so I'm blessed in that manner. But mindfulness has become a buzzword in our culture, mm -hmm. right? Yep. To the point it's kind of overused. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to get into other words that I think are overused, but I think that one definitely calls gets on my list of overused words, right? And so, I mean, I guess what does mindfulness mean to all of us, right? I mean, is is it different or is it the same, guys? I mean, I'll just throw this out to anybody who wants to jump in. Yeah, I think you're making a great point. I think <clears throat> mindfulness has become mainstream, which in a lot of ways is a good thing because it's catching on, people are learning more about it. But the issue when, of things becoming mainstream is that corporations tend to take that and run with it. And then people start to think, well, I have to pay for mindfulness. I have to yeah. have money to be able to go off on this retreat or mm. pay for yoga classes to, to really get mindfulness. It just gets sucked up by capitalism and it drives me crazy. So knowing that that's what's happen happening, even though more people are learning about mindfulness, what I tell all of my clients is that mindfulness is not like synonymous with meditation and yoga. Okay. Yes, you can use those practice to access mindfulness, but mindfulness is something that we all have within us. It's this ability to just pay attention, to yeah. just be aware, to take a moment and like almost press pause on what's going on in your life and taking a step back, taking a bird's eye view and just tuning into like, well, how do I feel about this? What's going on around me? And again, that's something that all of us can access within us with the right tools. We don't have to pay for it. Hmm. We practice it. It's like a muscle that we have to build. That's an interesting view on that. Madison, I was going to say exactly that. Like I was actually going to say exactly that. It's just being aware. It's different for different people, but it's being aware of what's going on around you. And however that looks, you know, whether you're a stay-at-home mom and being aware of things or whether you're a corporate leader and being, it's just being in, not, I don't even want to be like, oh, being present, because I think that that also is turning into like a little cliche-ish. Mm -hmm. um, but I just think that when you're mindful of things, even if you're just eating, you know, being mindful, not just sitting in front of a TV or working or a computer or whatever, being mindful of what's going on in your body. Hmm. Madison, I saw a video where you were like a yoga instructor. You were doing yoga like you. you. I am a yoga instructor. Yeah, yes. You, fun you fact. Backwards onto a mirror or something and you had your feet on the mirror and then the feet yes. started walking backwards down. And I was like, what the hell is she doing? That's right? an inversion. That's an inversion. <laughs> Um, I have an inversion table. That's all I got. I can lay on it and go upside down. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love that. But yeah, I mean, did you, did you, were you able to, I mean, walk us, I mean, how'd you go from yoga to mortgages? I mean, I came from music to mortgages and that was a long journey, but yoga to mortgages, how'd that happen? So it was 2016, 2017. I had gone through a lot of trauma in my personal life. I transferred schools and I went to Ramapo College. I was literally at the last, I think it was like right before we graduated or maybe like day of graduation. And they had Loretta come in as someone that was a previous student of Ramapo mm. yoga teacher training. And they were like, 
hey, she has something that she really wants to like open up to the group if anyone's really interested. And like, as soon as you get your certification, getting started with something. And it was the Kula for Karma, which she already touched on with the whole, you know, going into prisons and going into different facilities where yoga was inaccessible. And I think at the time, even for me, like 2016, 2017, yoga and mindfulness and all of the, you know, meditation, all of these things weren't mainstream yet. Mm -hmm. It was like just starting it was just starting really. So I remember I went with Loretta, like I was so fascinated by what she was telling us. I went and sat with her at a Starbucks. She got me an internship at the Kula for Karma place. And then it kind of snowballed from there. I mean, back to school. And then while I was at Ramapo, I realized I didn't like the school outside of just the yoga program. And that's how I fell into my accidental internship in the mortgage industry at 19. And then I always, you know, I'd say like from the age of 19 when I first got into it, which was a year after I got my yoga teacher training um, mm-hmm. and I knew that I had to get licensed for mortgages, I have ever since been trying to intertwine the two, which is a very hard thing. Most people want to be zen, mindful, um, just in the present moment. That's not really a reality for most people in the mortgage industry. Or at least I would say it's not something that comes natural. It's something that you have to, like Loretta said, Practice, practice, yeah. practice often. Um, yeah. so things like market right now, things are constantly changing. How do you stay in the present moment when you are trying to predict for the future or you're doing transactions this week, but I'm already trying to think in, in our meetings with the branch, we're already talking about what we're doing for August and September. So mm-hmm. it's constantly like a conflict or yeah. a contrast of the two. So so Kim, I mean, let, let's jump to you real quick because you're the owner of a company, right? I mean, and, and you, you've got the rates have gone up, business is slowing down. I mean, at the same time, we're trying to stay grounded. You're a single mom. You're showing your 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 son around to different colleges. Um, I mean, how do you balance all that? Is there or is there a balance? I think it's just you. I do the best I can. I. Um, there's always a blessing in the present, right? So when we were really busy, there was a blessing in that because we were able to financially secure um, ourselves. In the slowdown now, there's a blessing that I can spend a lot of time with my family and my friends. And so I think for me, I just try to go with the flow as much as I can. I, I, um, don't know that there's a black and white, like I work from this time to this time and that's it. And I'm drawing the line in the sand. I think you just have to kind of move with where you're, you're currently at. And, um, you know, just know that when I'm not busy, then I am going to do as much as I can. I'm going to see as many people. I'm going to go on as many trips and I'm going to be present while I'm doing those things because in a year we might be back to me working 18 hours a day. And so I just, I I think that that's probably, you know, what, what I do and being a single mom, I've been, my son's going into his senior year and I've been a single mom his whole life. And that has always taken priority. Okay. So like I always went on the field trips. I was Mm. the team mom you know, that was always what was most important. 
And so you, when you, when you keep yourself aligned with what is really important to you, then it, you know, it, it kind of becomes a little bit easier. Trust yeah. me again, there's hard days yeah. and there's frustrating days, but it becomes easier when you know what you're aligned with. Yeah. There was a conversation on LinkedIn a couple of days ago and someone was talking about work-life balance and blah, 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 blah. And I chimed in. I said, listen, I got to be honest. I don't believe in a work-life balance. I used to try. Yeah. And what I really believe in now is being mindful when I'm away from work yeah. so that I'm present 100% with my wife, with my children, with my dog, right? whatever it is, I am present at that moment and I'm not distracted yeah. because what used to happen before was I would get resentful trying to create this work-life balance. Like I'm going to work till 6 p.m. and then I'm cut off until 8 a.m. in the next morning and I'd get angry and, and I'd get ang anxious, things that I was missing out on. Um, I know Loretta, you talk about this, about work-life balance and helping people kind of get into that. Is, th is it better to have a work-life balance or is it better to have a more mindful life or, or, or is it both the same thing? I think it can be a mix of all of it. And like Kim said earlier, mindfulness and, you know, showing up for yourself and your life looks different for everyone. The first suggestion I will give, and this is something that's new to me, um, I now call it life work balance because even just mindfully rephrasing the way that we talk about mm -hmm. that is, is really helpful and really important, right? So mm -hmm. life or work always. So life work balance. And, you know, I, I agree with you that I think sometimes, especially the way that our culture has come to understand work-life balance, life work balance, is that We've, we've made it so very black and white. Like I have to give 60-40 or 50-50 yeah. or 20-80. And I think that get, gets people so wrapped up. And so while I still advocate for people having life-work balance because it's important, I think the mindfulness piece is really the underlying foundation of how you do it. And the way that I phrase it for myself and the way that I offer this to some of my clients, it doesn't land with everyone, but for some people it does, is... Stop worrying so much about what you want to do and instead ask yourself, especially in those moments where you have some downtime, who do you want to be? Hmm. Because if we can take some time, you know, to look at our week ahead of us or to look at the month ahead of us and know that we've got things coming on, know that we've got to prep and plan for whatever. If we could take a moment every week or every month or every day and say, well, who do I want to be today? That really delegates, at least for me, how and how I'm going to show up and what I'm going to do. Because if I know the month ahead, like I'm, I'm going through a really, I guess you could say a bit of a turbulent time. Like I'm moving, I'm going through a breakup, mm. um, all this travel plan for weddings. And it's just like, there's all this stuff going on that's really overwhelming. And I can start to tell myself, well, how am I going to balance this? You know, how am I going to make time? And how am I going to save money and all these things? But instead, if I can take a step back and practice mindfulness and ask myself, well, who do I want to be this month? A lot of times when I'm asking myself that, the, the response I get is, well, I want to be kind. I want to be loving. I want to mm. be at ease. I want to be restful. And so when I have that in mind, then I can start to really think about how do I go about my day each day in a way that honors the person that I really need to be right now, rather than trying to figure out yeah. what am I going to do and when am I going to do it? Yeah. You know what's yeah. so crazy about you saying this? So. <laughs> Long story short, my sister's home right now. We are short. We're down a car right now. So she, me and her are splitting it. So she came and picked me up from work the other day. 
And I'm sitting there and I've done a couple of loans for family friends before, specifically family. And I told myself um, last year after the last one to not do it. And here I am in the midst of doing it. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, Rye, like Riley's my sister. I'm like, I don't know why, but I tell a stranger like flat out to their face over a call over a text over an email like hey like you don't qualify or like here's what the underwriter needs you know like no problem very like business oriented when it comes to do it dealing with family friend loans it's like they're asking me questions that are normal questions like what's what is this on the closing disclosure or why is there this fee and i take it so personal i'm like why are they questioning me? Why are they, you know, like, you know, going behind my back and asking someone else on my team what something means? Why aren't they coming to me? And then I was like, hold up. Like, you are trying to work with these people because you want to help them. And if you're not coming from a place of wanting to help them and being kind and understanding, just like I am with every other client, that's not a them problem. That's a me problem. Yeah. And Riley was like, you know what? But at least you're aware of this right now. Like you're here, you're talking about it right now. So you're at least aware enough that like these feelings are arising or you have these preconceived, you know, whatever's going on in your head, at the very aware of it. And you're like, huh, I was, was aware of it. And I came thinking about it and now I'm going to fix it, which yes. is something that I don't think a year ago I was doing. So I'm, I'm proud of like the growth of just like instilling these mindful moments of like taking a a lot of what we're doing is just like hamster wheel, you know? Is it because it's family and it's closer with, I mean, I've always felt like the more, the closer I am emotionally to a problem, the more I'm responding to it, responding well, to it. Well, that's what I'm trying right? to like get to the root of. I'm like, yeah. the questions that they're asking me are questions that I've received 80 times over from clients. Right. But, when but it they're comes from different from strangers. That, they're not family members. Yeah. Right? So it's like the family should just unequivocally trust me. Exactly. Yep. Unconditionally. And then right? I like question myself and like, am I not explaining things? Like, why are they still confused? Like, yeah. Yeah, but don't beat yourself up too much. It's a combination because it's a combination, right? Because but. then they also are the same people that like there's zero boundaries yes. at all, and it's exhausting. It is. So, so I basically like just coming back to Loretta's point. It's just like I like the idea of like waking up and like okay, knowing that I'm gonna deal with different personalities of clients each and yeah. every day, whether it's family, friends, or I don't know them at all. Like, how do I want to show up for them today? Or like, what's the goal? Like, why did I take them on as a client to begin with? Because mm. I knew at the root of it, I'm going to help them. So it's just coming back down to that centering of yourself. Loretta, how do you help someone like her find meaning in work? I mean, that's one of your goals, right? Help if, me, if, Loretta. If you're going to find meaning, I mean, that's a great way to go into it. Bobby, I want to come back to something that you said before. Um, you were saying... Well, when you have, when it's friends and his family and you have kind of more of an emotional pull there, that's when like, it gets a little bit more challenging. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's really why mindfulness is important in all aspects of our life. I think, you know, especially on the other side of COVID, looking at workplace culture, we are just finally like peeling away these layers that like, we've always said that like life and work is separate, right? Like 
you go through stuff at home and then a mindset is like that you have to switch hats and come and be somebody different at work. Mm. And to some degree, that's true. Like I'm not going to bring club Loretta to work necessarily. <laughs> Only on Friday. Club Loretta. <laughs> <laughs> but also at the same time, like, again, going back to some of the things that I'm going through, like, I'm kind of in this emotional space and I would be really doing myself a disservice if I was showing up at work and pretending like those things weren't happening. Mm. And so when those emotional things come up for us in our lives and we have to go to work next day, that's when mindfulness is key. That's when we have to take that time to step back and look at ourselves and say, all right, what am I really feeling today? And how mm. do I want to show up today? And how can I support myself and how can I still support my team knowing that I'm going through all these things. So I just wanted to speak to that because I think that's so important to know that we are going to feel things at work. We are going to have- mm -hmm. So Lorraine, let me just stay on this for a second because you, you're, sure. you're, you're diving out of such a great hole, right? That I, I, can't, I can't help myself but dive into it because <laughs> look, I mean, corporate America, right? And I, and I really mean that corporate America, not, not corporate Europe, not corporate Asia, but corporate okay. America, right? Because every, every culture is different, right? And we have to acknowledge that also is a very compartmentalized, right? Like, I don't care what's going on in your life, Kim. When you're at work, you give me eight hours of undivided attention. How many, how many times have we heard that, right? Or, 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 or somebody like giving you an, uh, like I remember one, one, some guy, some, one of my evaluations from one of my supervisors one time was something like, um, I feel like he's distracted um, you know what I mean? Like I can't get a hold of him. Like he doesn't pick up the phone the first time I call him. I'm like, well, you ever imagine like I'm on a call with somebody else? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they assume that if I don't pick up their phone call, I'm distracted. So these little things like that, that, that I've seen in corporate America, and now all of a sudden coming into 2022, where we're working from home, where all of a sudden it's cool. Like you got your own office at home. A lot of us put on these uh, nice shirts. I, I go with t-shirts nowadays, but nice shirts. And we do a Zoom call, right? Because that's all we we were wearing our t-shirts, our, our, our shorts and, and sneakers underneath that. Uh, so the culture has shifted. It is. Has the mindset shifted, though? I think it depends who you talk to. I think there are people who are still wrapped up in the former. They're wrapped up in that traditional way of thinking. I mean... There's a lot of data and good information out there that, I mean, I was just talking to a client recently that this idea that like you show up no matter what's going on in your personal life, you do your eight hours. I don't want to hear about what's going on at home. Like, yes, that was very prevalent years ago, very prevalent when many of us, most of us were going to the office, but now work is at home. So that's a whole different thing. And I was just talking to a client about the consequences of feeling that kind of energy, feeling that micromanagement when you're at home, because your home, hopefully, is your safe place. Your home mm. is where you're supposed to be relaxing and finding ease and being able to take a load off. And so the fact that so many of us are bringing work home is already adding stress. But if we have managers that can't honor that work is now at home and that they're they're micromanaging through the screen or, or screen or I remember at the start of the pandemic, I don't know how much it was involved with work, but I know that I had some friends who were still in school. Mm -hmm. I know that universities were setting up systems and computers that they would know if you left your computer. Like you have mm -hmm. to move your mouse or- Or if your eye, like eye detection and like crazy, crazy eye eye Yeah. That is insane. And I know that we're still hearing about that, but I think, 
I mean, that's that's old. That's old news. And I think if people are still holding on to that, if people are still like gripping to that traditional model, they're not keeping up with the times and they're not going to last that much longer, especially mm. knowing that our workforce is getting increasingly younger. Millennials are taking up a lot of that space. Gen Z is taking up a lot of that space. And Gen Z doesn't tolerate BS. Like Gen Z is <laughs> <laughs> looking at a lot of like TikToks and, you know, corporate TikTok, hashtag corporate TikTok for Gen Z. And like, I think I just saw this video the other day that Gen, like it, it was a Gen Zer who was doing an interview via computer. And the interviewer had said like, um, you know, you might have to work, you know, a little bit after hours. And the Gen Z person immediately just shut the computer and was like, no. <laughs> But that that's the culture of Gen Z. Like I was just talking to someone yesterday. They're like, I don't want to live to work, you know? And I think the new culture we're stepping into again is getting increasingly younger and people are just not tolerating these workplaces mm. that don't see people as humans and they're not going to tolerate, yeah. you know, come to work, do your work and do not, you know, don't be distracted. Yeah, I mean, you're working from home, right? If I'm not mistaken, right, Kim? Half and half. I mean, half I, half. I have an office. Um, but I, I do work a lot from home. Now you I have the worst boss though in the, in the entire, out of all of us, you have the worst boss cause you, you're your own boss, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you can't escape your boss for 24 hours. I mean, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yes. You're always being supervised by somebody. <laughs> yep. So how does, I mean, how does, how do you disconnect? Like, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm okay. If I don't like, you said something really critical. You said, we're going to go, maybe go back to 18 hour days you know when yeah. we get busy again we and, and you probably you can attest to this if you want or talk chime in this but we work more hours working from home than we do when we have an office mm -hmm. and i feel like the work just continues like i had dinner then i go back to work you know i mean i'm working till 11 o'clock at night i sleep i come up at 4 30 in the morning i'm working again that kind of stuff mm -hmm. i mean how do you how do you cut that off or, or do you i don't know to? that you do right okay. i don't i go back to like just kind of again, going with the flow a little bit more. I don't know that you cut it off, but I know that um, when I get up and, you know, go and brush my teeth and sit down at my computer and spend most of my day there, I feel like crap. But I know that when I get up and I go and I work out or I go to yoga and then I take my dogs for a walk and then I come back and I sit down in front of my computer two hours later, I feel much more productive. Mm. And so I think that for me, that's what it is. It's, it's not so much turning it on and off because working at home is the least of it. I'm, my phone is on me 24 seven, right? So working from home really means nothing. It's the fact that like, do I put down the phone and not answer constantly or not be, you know, on it all the time? So I just find the things that I need to do to step away from it. Um, and again, for me, how I start my day, 100% determines how my day is. 100%. That's huge. That's huge. So I got two topics I'm going to throw out real quick, right? One of them is starting your day, <laughs> right? Because we all know, and I, I think at least for what I, I know of all you guys, we all start our day with, with some kind of silent time. For me, it's anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. Sometimes it's an hour, right? Where I'm just taking care of my brain. Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder, Madison, talk me through this because I love your rants that we record every now and then, right? Because 
I don't know if you guys know this, but Madison and I, we have another show called Life of the Need Madness. And I, I tell her to save her rants for a <laughs> week, and then I record it on one day, and, and she lets it all out for like 25 minutes. Why didn't I think of that? And sometimes he doesn't get it out to me. Like, he knows, like, it's just festering. So, like, poke and, like, we'll just talk about, like, stupid things. Like, oh, how was your airport experience? And then all of a sudden, I'm, like, at the end of it, like, just like, going after it. Um, but I mean, I mean, quiet time in the morning is important because somehow or another, that brain, when we wake up, is, like, ready to go and think of everything negative. Yeah. The whole world is falling apart. You slept in too late. It's never going to be this, blah, 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 blah. And all of a sudden, I just got to calm everything down, Madison. I mean, how, yeah. do you, how do you deal with that? So something that I learned last year that I've pretty much stuck to nine times out of ten, unless I know it's a situation where the client's not actually available for the rest of the day, is I don't – so I go to the office every day. Um, there's some days like today I'm working remotely because I have a lot of things that I have going on, which I also think is the luxury of like – this hybrid model where I do have the opportunity to go away and be in an office space, being home longer feels like a safe place or somewhere that I be productive. But if I need it, then I can be here. Um, so I don't answer emails or phone calls until I go into the office. I also, what I started at the beginning of this year was I wrote a long list of all the things that I wish I could do as like a morning routine. Hmm. And I've been really realistic with myself and I don't do all of them every single day, but my rule of thumb is to pick three. And it could be as little as making your bed, um, drinking a full glass of water, you know, like a full water bottle, taking a morning walk, drinking your coffee in bed, journaling, um, you know, stretching, doing yoga. So there's a whole list of them. And as long as I choose three each month, I know that I've honored myself in some way. And that was time that I was either, you know, making the bed, which is a mindful, everything was like a, intentional for like a mindful practice. Yeah. Because yeah. I felt like the second that I go into the office, I no longer am able to just focus on myself. I am doing for others. Like we are literally in the financial servicing industry. So all day is catering to the needs and the questions and the wants and the this and the that for everyone else. So if I don't honor myself and do at least those, like at, at bare minimum, those three things every morning then mm -hmm. i'm doing my myself a disservice and i feel like i come home and i'm either depleted of energy completely where now i no longer want to do anything for myself but rest because i've deprived myself of that rest somewhere along the line of not being present and doing what i need in my body hmm. loretta i mean how do you start your mornings i mean we're just going around the clock here i mean just Walk us through, like, if we were if we were spying on you, we were a little fly on the wall, what would we see when, when the weather wakes up? <laughs> I mean, echoing a lot of what Kim and Maddie have just said, but what I want to plug here is a little bit of the why the morning is really okay. important. Nice. So, um, you know, just a little brain science here. I'm not <clears throat> totally well-versed in this, but the way that I try to frame it to folks is when we... Our, you know, our brain has different wave energies. And when we're sleeping, we have a certain brain energy. I think it's delta. Um, and then <clears throat> I'm trying to remember the brain energy that when we're awake and we're fully, fully going. But then there's something in between that is called theta waves. And it's kind of like the daydreamy part of our day. It's actually the part of the day where we can really tap into our subconscious. It's the part of the day where we can really like pull stuff out of the subconscious and make really meaningful memories. So if we're just sleeping and waking up and plucking up our phone right away, we are doing that theta wave energy, a lot of disservice. Mm. And so my morning is really wrapped around 
making sure I make the most out of that 30 to 40 minutes that I have with those brain waves so that I can tap into the subconscious. I can tap into what's there. I can make meaningful memories. I can just get my brain working in a way that sets me up for the rest of the day, like Kim said. So for me, um, usually it's, it's working out, right? It's just getting my body moving. That's really important for me, but it is just quiet time. It is getting up, getting a cup of tea, um, just sitting in silence. I do have a dog. So it's getting the dog outside, going for a walk. It's journaling. It's praying. Um, it's just little quiet things that aren't going to snap my brain out of that daydream place and just really enjoy some of that. And honestly, that's where a lot of my personal magic happens. Like when I take that moment, those moments to sit and drink coffee or even read a good book, that's when a great idea comes up for me, or that's when I have a really special memory come up, or I remember that I have to do something important, or it's just a really special time for my brain in the morning. And, and like Maddie and both Kim were saying, like, if I just speed through that, like I'm just missing a lot of great opportunity to connect with myself yeah. and to connect with the things that are living in the subconscious that my brain is holding on to and really needs me to know for yeah. whatever my coach, David Gandelman, he, he always talks about this, like how we wake up in the morning and instantly the news is on and then we're drinking coffee, and then we're eating donuts and then we're walking, getting stuck in a traffic jam. We walk into somebody's office and we're like, life sucks. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you're just saying that process. I'm like, oh my God, I would die. Like if, yeah. I, if that's how my day started, I'd be like, all right. But how many I people do you know like that, again. Kim, right? How many people do we know that? I know. Right? Many. Oh most and i admittingly start my day like that sometimes still <laughs> yeah and, and, sometimes, and sometimes you have to sometimes like like tomorrow for instance i've got a lot of east coast clients so tomorrow i just have a day that my clients start at 7 a.m right so yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be roll out of bed get a quick workout and if you can i probably won't be able to meditate or pray before i get on the call but i'm just gonna jump in and every now and then i just it just works that way but by 12 o'clock that day, I feel it. I just yeah. feel yeah. like I've com I've completely like derailed my life. <laughs> but don't you feel like working out is kind of meditative? Yeah. I've always thought like working out is like where I'm able to focus on my body and, and my movements. Oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm like, there's no, I remember the first time I realized I, I was in a studio recording. I was like maybe 20, 21 years old. We were doing like a seven hour session, right? Which is pretty, you know, whatever. I got out of there and also I realized for seven hours, I had not thought about anything other than my baselines. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time I connected being mindful to something of an action that I was actually doing, mm -hmm. you know? And so sometimes I think it's not always just, you know, me sitting there uh, being silent. Sometimes it's playing music, being on stage, um, doing yoga, working out. Uh, yeah. As long as I can just tune, just like, and you made such a great point about those theta waves, you know what I mean? Is, to, is is feeling them and letting them kind of feel the energy to move forward in the day. It's incredible to do that. Mm -hmm. So Kim, but back to you, I mean, you have employees who work for you. Mm -hmm. So now you're having energies kind of combat one another. Yeah. How, how do you, because that was my second. It's thing. hard. <laughs> right. It's hard. I mean, it's hard because sometimes I'll even be talking to somebody and I'm not kidding. Like this actually happened yesterday. And, and I could feel their bad juju. I could feel it, right? And they were talking to me. And like in my head, I am literally calling on all the angels. I'm like, angels, guard me, guard me, guard me, right? Because I can feel it because I'm taking it in. And I know that it's it's hard. It's, it, it is one of the hardest things that I struggle with.
is and also having differing personalities with people you know that um i can say to some people like hey you're i can tell you're really in a bad place you know take a walk around the block right and that and i know that that is what they do but like some people would tell me basically to f off if i did that you know yeah what I mean? because it's like they are so far removed. Are they from Jersey? Because normally they're from Jersey. They tell you to F off. You, you know, always from Jersey. <laughs> Not from Philly. Only from Jersey. Um, yeah, actually from Philly, too. I'm <laughs> from Philly, yeah. So I think that that is a really hard thing when you are, you know, when you have employees and they are not aligning with you and you spend mm -hmm. a lot of time with them, it's, it's, uh, it's my biggest struggle. Yeah, sure. I mean... I don't want to go down down the road of core values. That that obviously is. I mean, you know, we could do an entire segment on core values, how you know my core values need to align with my with my company and blah 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 blah. But obviously, we're we're trying to stick with the with the mindfulness here. Uh, but obviously, what we're talking about there is, is core values and being able to honor each each other's core values. Yeah. Um, Kim, real quick, or not? Sorry, Kim, Loretta. The meditation part. When I meditate. And then I'm living life and I'm in an express lane at the grocery store and it says eight only. And the lady in front of me has 12 and I lose my shit. <laughs> right. And then someone says, well, you meditate. Why do you lose your shit if someone only had four extra items? Right. Still, I'm still a human being. I'm still going to have emotions that come out on a daily basis. Of course. Right. So, I mean, it's, I, I need to acknowledge those emotions and, and not not deny them. Right. Yes. And that was actually one of the things I struggled with when I first started meditating. I had a misconception, as I think a lot of people do, that it's like, oh, my God, I'm in such a bad mood. Let me meditate to feel differently, to feel better, to not feel that way. And I can't tell you how many times I sit in the meditation, 5, 10, 15 minutes, and I'd still be pissed off on the other side of it and be like, well, this shit doesn't work now. So, you know, like what's going on? And it took me a long time to learn that that's not how meditation works. It, again, it's it's like it's like building a muscle. It's like the more you meditate, it, the way that I visualize it is the more I meditate, the more I kind of have these reserves. Um, and so, you know, let's say that I wasn't meditating and I'm like you in the sense that like someone cuts me off and I'm flipping them off or the person in front of me is taking too long. If I don't meditate, I'm going to be 9.9 9 times out of 10, always reacting. Agreed. I'm always going to be snapping. Yeah. But if I'm meditating, the odds of me reacting are going to lessen. It doesn't mean that I'm never going to react. Mm -hmm. Like, let's face it. I am still a Jersey girl through and through. <laughs> you, might still get, you might still get cussed out time to time. But the more I meditate, it's like the more I meditate, the more I have these opportunities to kind of take a step back and respond. The more my seer yeah. comes along, right? The more yeah. I meditate, the more I have this muscle, this strength, this ability to stand in the grocery line and have choice to say, I can huff and puff and be really pissed off and say something passive aggressive under my breath. Or I have the choice to take a step back and observe how I'm feeling and soften and see myself in this person and be okay, yeah. right? Something I say is that it actually allows me to get grounded a little bit quicker. Yes. So yes I can yes. lose my shit for like maybe two seconds and maybe pause, but then all of a sudden I'm reminded, you know what? 
I'm grateful that I'm in a line buying groceries. I can afford my groceries. There it is. I'm grateful that this lady can actually be in front of me. And I, you know what I mean? And maybe she's in a rush. And all of a sudden, I'm just grounded again. So right. I think that's what it does. It doesn't stop those emotions from coming out. But exactly. it's an anchor throughout the day. It's like the acceptance and the awareness of things. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. It, and it helps you It helps you kind of rebound and reel back, too. Again, if I wasn't a meditator, I would snap and think there was nothing wrong. Like, yeah. she had it coming. She shouldn't have had 12. Yeah, she shouldn't have said that. They, they, they shouldn't exactly. have that. They but deserve it. Meditate, if I react or when I react, that meditation will still come back on the other side and say, oh, I didn't love that you did that. Yeah. You know, be better for next time. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, a, it's, it's, it's critical. It's critical. Well, and Fabi, so, can I say something about absolutely. that? Because I think that um, sometimes, too, like, meditation freaks people out, right? And so what I tell people is like, I'm not really, first of all, I'm not a monk. And so I'm not going to be <laughs> sitting there solid, you know, whatever, not talking in my head. Um, so my meditation a lot of times looks a lot different. And I know this sounds crazy, but it actually works. It's like when I'm walking my dogs and I'm like mad about something, I just talk out loud, right? And I talk it yeah. all through and I curse everybody out. And typically I will walk until I feel calmer. Right. And, and then, and then you're calm throughout the day because like, if I'm, if I'm mad, I mean, and my son, you know, that like he's being lazy, you know, and he's a 17 year old lazy boy. Right. It's like, if I hold it in, then everybody that I come in contact with that day is going to feel a little bit of my irritation at Jackson. Mm. Right. But if I get it out, and so if it's mine, if you can do it through meditation, great, or walking a dog and yelling at, you know, and like, I'm going to say this to him and this and this and this and this, right? But you get it all out and then people, and then you forget about it. I mean, I literally will forget about why I was mad. Mm. Mm-hmm. So true. So true. Listen, guys, this has been a great topic. We could go on for another 45 minutes. I, I, I can feel it. This was a quick conversation, but we are at that point where I got to cut it off. I want to thank Loretta and Kim for joining us today. Madison and I are here every... How often are we here, Madison? I can't we, see you because your, your big mug is in... You've got this big <laughs> mug in front of your face. <laughs> Um, we're here often. We're Weekly here often. at this point, I guess. <laughs> I feel like I never leave this microphone anymore. No, right? <laughs> but anyway, we are grateful that we were ha- having a conversation on mindfulness, uh, practicing it throughout the day, uh, especially in the mortgage industry. Uh, once again, Loretta, Kim, thank you so much for joining us. Thank JP, you. if you can do your magic and get us out of here, I'd appreciate you, buddy. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Laugh, Lend, and Eat, the podcast. You can now enjoy Fabi's article, Laugh Lens, and Eat featured in the Vision magazine. Please be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, where each month, we are giving away some swag for our lucky listener to show off. Thank you to our sponsors for their continued support, First Option Mortgage, and One Good One Recruiting. And remember, you have to be something, so be kind.